right. All right. Let me get you to stand together. Let's ask the Lord's blessings on our study today. Father, I stretch my hands to standing for just a moment and turning your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 30. Genesis chapter 30. I think I could go up into the high area, but I'm not going to try it. Coming down is worse than going up. I can get up there, but when I, when I stand in one spot for 40 minutes or longer, then my leg stiffens up. So I'm going to try to teach you from down here. Genesis chapter 30. This is our third study in the story of Joseph. And today I've subtitled it, The Story of Joseph, Jesus, and You. The Story of Joseph, Jesus, and You. Genesis chapter 30, beginning in verse 22. Genesis 30, verse 22. And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her, and opened her womb, and she conceived and bare a son, and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, and she said, The Lord shall add to me another son. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and let God's people say praise the Lord and you may be seated. I'm sorry about all the walking around here today and I'm ill prepared for this podium so I'm going to use a hymnal to help me out a little bit. Did you know that in the book of Genesis more chapters are devoted to Joseph than to Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob? Did you know that the whole first section of Genesis, which takes up 11 chapters, are not nearly the chapters taken up with Joseph? Joseph takes up Genesis 35 through Genesis 50. Now think about that. More chapters devoted to Joseph than to the great Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Remarkably, remarkably, Joseph is not even mentioned in the New Testament. Not even mentioned in the New Testament. But I'll tell you something about him later in a later study as to why perhaps 
that is. Now, Joseph's story, this is the first thing I want you to learn this morning. You hear this a lot from me, but I believe this is the, I believe this is the foundation for our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph's story is a story built upon the sovereign will of God. So we begin this study of the story of Joseph where all things must begin, the sovereign will of God. By that I mean Joseph was born according to the sovereign will of God. I believe that his life was directed by the sovereign will of God. I believe he left this world right on time determined by the sovereign will of God. Do you know how old he was when he died? He was 110 years old. He was exactly the same age as Joshua. Joshua was also 110 years old. There's got to be some spiritual connection, and there is, between Joshua and between Joseph. If the Scriptures teach anything, my friends, if the Scriptures teach us anything, it is that the God who created all things rules all things He created. Now, the Bible tells us, and I don't mind anything that's in the Scripture is true. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 11 that from the human perspective, time and chance happens to us all. Chance means something not planned, something that's not expected. But from the divine perspective, nothing is left to chance, much less the birth and the life of a human soul created in the image of God who will change the course of history. And this is the story of Joseph, a story which definitely reveals the sovereign will of God. The second thing I want to say to you is that Joseph's story is our story. What can be said of Joseph can be said about each of us who belong to the God of Joseph. My friend, there is no chance that we are here by chance. There's no chance that we were saved, that we were called by chance. There's no chance that the days of our lives are lived out by chance. There's no chance that whatever life we have is a gift of God, is sustained, and it's ordered by the sovereign will of God. And here is a wonderful lesson, I've already hinted at it, for us to take to heart, and it is this. The sure and certain knowledge that everything is according to the sovereign will of God is the very foundation of the comfort and the joy of God's redeemed people. The Lord will have His way, and we are glad about it. It may look like it's the ninth inning, and we're behind by a hundred runs, and there are two outs and nobody's on base. But I assure you, 
the Lord God Almighty will win, and we will win through faith in Him. We know the Lord is in charge, and we are glad about it. The older I get, when I tell people about God being in charge, some of them are too happy about it. Oh, they say that's not fair. Dare we charge the God of the Bible with unfairness? Dare we think that we are more merciful than He is? Dare we think that we are wiser than He is? We know the Lord is in charge, and we're glad about it. In times like we're living in today, everybody keeps saying, what can we do? We need somebody to rally. We need somebody to do something. Well, my comfort is I'm going to do all I can to stand for the truth. Like I say, could be the ninth inning, could be two outs, and we're high, behind by 100, uh, 100 runs. But I know this, the Lord is going to win the game. It's going to come out His way. We know the Lord is in charge, and we're glad about it. We can heartily say with that multitude that John foresaw in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Revelation chapter 19. I say Joseph's story is our story, and Joseph's story is the story of our Savior. Joseph was born, was he born by accident, or was he born on purpose? Why is it that we can look at characters in the Bible and we can say, I can see the purpose of God there, but I can't see the purpose of God in my life? Now let me tell you this, Joseph's story is our story, and our story and Joseph's story is the story of our Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph was born on purpose. Were you born by accident? Or were you born on purpose? When was Jesus born? Was he born by accident? Was he born on purpose? What does the scripture say? Here's what it says. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. The fullness of time refers to the exact time determined before by the God of our salvation. He was not born early. He was not born late. Neither was Joseph and neither were you. The devil did all in his power to prevent the birth of our Savior. He enlisted Herod to use the wise men to discover the place of our Savior's birth that he might destroy him. But the Lord spoke to the wise men, and they went home another way. So Herod concocted another plan. He determined that he would destroy the Messiah by killing all the male babies two years old and under. But this was no surprise to the Lord. The Scripture says in Matthew chapter 2, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth, and he murdered all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Do you know that even that tragedy, that tragedy of all of those children being killed was predicted through Jeremiah the prophet? 
You can read about it in Jeremiah chapter 31. Matthew goes on to say in verse 17, quoting Jeremiah, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, a voice of lamentation and weeping and great mourning, for Rachel was weeping for her children, and she would not be comforted because they are not. What about Joseph and Mary? How will they escape the wrath of the devil that came through Herod? Here's what the Scripture says. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. But how will Joseph and Mary know when it's safe to return? The Scripture goes on to say, But when Herod was dead... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. That's the story of the life of Joseph. That's the story of the life of Jesus. And this is the story of the life of every single child of God brought to faith in Jesus as Messiah. If you are a child of God, you are, according to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, bought with the blood of God, purchased with the blood of God. I am sure that the Lord will protect His investment. I'm sure that He will work out all things for the good of His children. He will leave nothing to chance. Dare we think that anything, any event, any person is beyond the control of the God of Scripture. He's the creator and He is the executor. He's the one who carries it out. He's the one who planned all things and He's the one who carries out all things that He has planned. He's the one who drew up the original blueprints and He's the one who builds His house stone by stone and brick by brick. Here's what the Bible says, every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Has not my hand made all these things? Do you know that often men planned to murder Jesus? What prevented them from doing so? Well, listen to this. I'm reading now from John chapter 8, verse 20. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as He taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on Him, for His hour was not yet come. That's why they couldn't lay hands on Him. When He was in the synagogue once on a Sabbath morning, He so upset the congregation that they wanted to kill Him. This is what I read in Luke chapter 4. All they in the synagogue, when they heard these things from the lips of Jesus, were filled with wrath, and they rose up and thrust Him out of the city, and led Him to the brow of a hill where the city was built, that they may cast Him down headlong. But He, passing through the midst of them, went His way. What constrained them? What prevented them? The invisible hand of the Lord according to the sovereign will of God is the only explanation. Did you realize that if they had been successful in murdering the Lord by throwing Him from a hill, we would have to look elsewhere for a Savior. The Messiah must die on a cross. 
and he must die willingly. His death cannot be caused by any other means. He must die according to the word of the Lord by the prophets. And the scripture didn't say the Messiah was going to die by being forced off of a hill, did it? He has to die in the way that the prophets foretold. You know, I've told you before that I even pray about a parking place at Walmart. Well, our Savior was in perfect tune with the eternal will of God the Father, and He wouldn't even go to the Feast of the Tabernacles in Jerusalem until a certain time. This is what He said to His disciples in John chapter 7. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up yet to this feast. My time is not yet fully come. After this saying, he remained in Galilee. You remember when Lazarus died and they told the Lord, He whom thou lovest is sick? You remember he stayed where he was? One, two, three days he let Lazarus die so that when he arrived, Lazarus was dead. And he told them after he got there, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't here. Because if I'd been here, he wouldn't have died. No one ever died in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, when men begin to have their way with Jesus, when people were, were, were coming, came out to arrest him, for example, and uh, they did arrest him. We read in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, the mob coming out led by Judas Iscariot, to arrest the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what he said. He said, when I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour. This is the time for the power of darkness. Don't you remember when he told Peter, Peter, I could call legions of angels for my heavenly Father now, and they would come and deliver me. But if I did that, and they delivered me, how would the Scriptures be fulfilled? My dear friends, Jesus was never in the hands of men. They were in the hands of the sovereign will of God. It was because of the permissive will of God that Jesus was handed over to the mob when he was. And what I want you to get, I'm saying this repeatedly, the story of Joseph is the story of Jesus, and it's the story of those for whom he died. It's a story of wonders and miracles and unbelievable events, all orchestrated by our wise and loving Heavenly Father. Here's the third thing I want you to see. In the story of, Je of Joseph, we learned that there's no conflict between man's will and God's will. If you read the story of Joseph, you will see that men do as they please, and God does as He pleases. Man exerts his will, and yet... The Lord's will is always done. Men resist the obvious will of God, but in spite of them, God's secret and eternal will is carried out. My goodness, I don't want to get ahead of myself in these studies. But if you can't see that in the life of Joseph, his brothers hated him, they sold him into slavery. Why did they sell it? Why did they treat him that way? Why did they sell him into slavery? Because they hated him, they wanted to kill him. 
And one of the brothers uh, prevented that. And he was going to go back and rescue him. When he went back to rescue him, they had already taken him out of this hole and sold him to some Ishmaelites going into Egypt. But what was that all about? Well, it was all about their hatred. But what was it all about behind their hatred? It was about the secret will of God to get Joseph down into Egypt because God's going to make him the prime minister of Egypt. And as the prime minister, he's going to be the means of the deliverance of his entire family and thus preserving all the promises that God made to Abraham. In the words of Moses in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us. Whatever the Lord has said to us in His Word, we need to be busy about doing and being obedient to. But He is going to be working out His secret will through the wills of men and women and even the devil. I ask you, my fellow believer, does not your life bear evidence of the sovereign hand of God? Can't you look back and see how the Lord has ordered your goings and directed your paths? In my own life, as I have told you, shared with you many times before, I can clearly discern the hand of the Lord and His sovereign will. My mother was told that she could not have children, but she prayed to the Lord for years And she told him that if he would give her a son, she would give him to the Lord. And my mother was barren, just like the mother of of Joseph, Rachel, for over ten years. But then, as was the case with Rachel, Joseph's mother, God remembered her, and God hearkened unto her, and God opened her womb. And in the same way, the Lord heard my mother. And he opened her womb. So all the time I was growing up, I didn't know that I was going to be a preacher. I tried to do other things. I tried doing life my own way. I fought and I resisted and I plotted and I pulled. But the will of God was bound to be done. And even as I grew up, I was being prepared for my role in life. And in time... The Lord opened my mind and dealt with my heart, and it was a struggle between my will and His will, but He won. He always wins. Thank God He won, because the prize for having my own will and my own way is hell. Yes, if you win, you get the prize. And the prize is eternal separation from the Lord forever. If you don't want anything to do with Him, If you choose to have nothing to do with Jesus, perish the thought, He just might let you have your way. Oh, I pray that He will have His way with you as He did with me and as He did with Joseph. Here's the next thing I want you to learn, the fourth lesson. Joseph's story is a story built. Let me me just... Let me sum this up for you. Let me repeat what I've already told you. Let's, let's go back to that. Joseph's story is built upon the sovereign will of God. Number two, Joseph's story is our story. Number three, Joseph's story is the story of our Savior and our salvation. And number four, 
The story of Joseph demonstrates that there's no conflict between the will of man and the will of God. And the story of Joseph can be summed up in three points. Now, I touched on these points in our first study, but you've probably forgotten them by now. After all, we've had Father's Day and Independence Day, haven't we, since we had the last study. So, let me sum up the life of Joseph, the life of Jesus, and the life of every one of you who are blood-bought children of God. Let me sum up his life, Jesus' life, and your life in three points. Number one, Joseph was a son of providence. He became the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham by the divine providence of God. And he no less than Isaac and Jacob, and no less than Jesus, our Savior, was a son given by the Lord. He was born to whom he was at the time he was because of the sovereign will of the Lord. He was born on purpose to fulfill a purpose. And what was that purpose? Well, his purpose was to save the family of Abraham and secure them a home in Egypt until they would be delivered from their enemies in the great exodus that we read about in the book of Exodus so that they could head to the promised land that had been promised to Abraham. So like you and like me, Joseph was not an accident. And I want to say this again. We need to be reminded of this. There are no accidents with God. Joseph was a son of providence. And we will cover some of these things in his life in more detail in upcoming studies. And God willing, I want you to think of all the things that were necessary to get Joseph to the seat of the prime minister of Egypt. He must be born, but his mother was barren. He must be delivered from the hatred of his own brothers who wanted to murder him, but spared to live another day. He must be sold as a slave to heathens headed for Egypt. He must be sold a second time to a certain man who was an important cog in the wheel of the rule of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He must escape the temptation of a beautiful and powerful woman. He must be delivered from prison. He must have a personal, private audience with the Pharaoh of the most powerful nation on earth at that time and win his approval. Anyone in the world can read the life of Joseph and see that there's an invisible hand, a sovereign hand, and we believe that's the sovereign hand of the Almighty. Joseph's life can only be explained on the basis of divine providence. And we can say the same thing regarding our Savior's life, and we can say the same thing regarding the life of every child of God. If you were saved, if you are saved, you were saved on purpose. You were not saved accidentally, you were saved on purpose. And if you were saved on purpose, then you were born on purpose. And if you were born on purpose, you were born to fulfill a purpose. And what is your purpose in life? Well, one major purpose is to serve and glorify Him who created you and who saved you. Joseph was a son of providence. Jesus was a son of providence. And you are a son or a daughter of providence if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, he was a son of prayer. His birth was an answer to 
prayer. Jacob, Joseph's father, wanted to marry Rachel. He wanted Rachel. He loved Rachel. But he was deceived by her father into marrying her older sister Leah. And then both Leah and Rachel had maids. And they employed those maids in the worst way to score points for Jacob. And to make matters worse, Rachel's maid, Leah's maid, and Leah herself all had children, but Rachel was barren. What could be done? At one point, Rachel was so frustrated that she told her husband, this is recorded for you in Genesis 30, give me children or else I die. And it says, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in God's stead, who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? Why was she barren? Was it the devil? Was he trying to stop the promises made to Abraham? Well, it doesn't matter, because the Lord's will is going to be done in earth as it is done in heaven. Aren't we told to pray that? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's going to be done. But do we want it to be done? Even so, we've been instructed to pray that the Lord's will shall be done. The scriptures indicate that Rachel petitioned the Lord for children. Leah had children, and Rachel kept praying. And Zilpah had children, and Rachel kept praying. And Billah had children, and Rachel kept praying. And finally we read in Genesis chapter 30, verse 22, And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened unto her. What does that mean? It means he listened to her. She'd been praying, and he opened her womb. And the son that was given to her was Yosef. Joseph, which means Jehovah has added. So like, like Joseph, all children are gifts of God. Woe be to this nation which aborts them by the millions and then has the gall to stand up and sing, God bless America. God bless America. Not only when children are aborted are they cut off from the pursuit of life, but they're cut off from the pursuit of liberty and happiness. Every child, whether planned or not, should be welcomed as a Joseph and added blessing from the Lord. That's what his name means, added. Jehovah has added. Those millions of infants who've been denied life will rise up in judgment in the great day when God Almighty settles his accounts. And they may be part of that innumerable company under the altar of God that cry unto God day and night, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Aren't you glad your mother didn't abort you? Aren't you glad that your mother didn't abort you? Aren't you glad that the will of God was for you to live? Aren't you glad that somebody prayed for you to be saved? If you are saved, somebody prayed for you. Jesus himself prayed for you. John 17, 9, I pray for them. He said of his disciples, I do not pray for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. They are thine. Then in verse 20 he says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me 
through their word. Joseph was a son of prayer. When Jesus came, believers in Israel had been praying for centuries, Lord, send the Messiah. Fulfill that promise that you would send the Messiah. The promise was made in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Way back there. And Jesus was an answer to prayer. And when you came to know the Lord, somebody was praying for you. Here's the third thing. Joseph's life can be summed up, I said, in three points. Providence, prayer, and the third one is promise. There's no doubt that the promises made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob were passed down through Joseph. After all, he became the means of saving the entire family of Israel. He became the conduit through which the grace of God flowed to the family of Abraham, through Jacob, through Isaac. Not only was Joseph an addition to the growing family of Jacob, but Joseph was used of the Lord to add multiple blessings He was the favorite of his father, Joseph was. He was the favorite of his father, Jacob. He was the son of Jacob's true love, Rachel. And if if heaven had a favorite, it was Joseph. I've already told you, more chapters are devoted to Joseph than to Abraham and to Isaac or Jacob. Joseph was a son of promise. So was Jesus. He was promised way back there in Genesis 3.15, And so are you. If you were given to Christ, you were promised to him. And if you were promised to him, you will come to him. Here's what the Bible says. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they, that's all who come, shall be taught of God. Every man therefore that has heard and has learned, that is, has been taught by the Father, comes unto me. Have you come to Christ? That's the question. Have you come to Jesus as the Christ? Have you believed on Him as the Messiah? Have you believed on Him as your Lord and Savior? To hear about Him is good, but it won't save you. It only can be saved if you come to Him. If you're willing to confess Him, if you're willing to stand with Him, whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words... Of him also will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and his holy angels. Oh, my friend, if you have not come to Christ, today is the day of salvation. May God help you to do that in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. You're awfully quiet today. I hope you're listening. I hope you've understood what I've said. The life of Joseph is a story about Jesus and is a story about you. Those things that characterize the life of Joseph characterize every child of God, every one of them. I hope the Lord will give us understanding of these things. 
I hope that you will have a good day today and a good week this coming week. Be careful. Lots going on. And let's pray for this nation as we've never prayed before. I believe that the only thing that can save us is a heaven-sent awakening. I believe that's the only thing that can save us. I think we're falling off the precipice. All of these laws that have been instituted based upon Scripture and the justice of God are being dismantled piece by piece. And we might have a revolution, but a revolution won't change the hearts of men. They had a revolution in Russia. And look what happened to it. When men take over, then they, they sit in the place of God. And they become God over their fellow men. Only in heaven will God be in total control and everybody will be happy about it. Think about that. Everybody in heaven will be happy that the Lord is in total control. I'm happy about it now. I believe my days are in his hands. I believe my times are in his hands. I believe that he's going to have his way and his will in my life, and it's going to come out just like he wants it to. And what thrills me is I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. I wasn't born by accident. I'm not living by accident, and I'm not going to die by accident. I'm going to die because the Lord's going to say, your days are fulfilled, and you've accomplished what I want you to accomplish, and that's it. How about you? You have a hope? The only hope we have is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're only safe in the blood of Christ. Let's sing this hymn. Under the blood of Jesus Safe in the sand Under the blood of Jesus, safe while the ages roll. Safe though the world may crumble. Safe though the stars go dim. Under the blood of make an announcement before I dismiss you. I ordered 30 books in the down here on the Lord's table. They're titled, We Will Not Be Silenced. The author of these books is Erwin Lutzer. He is the, the pastor emeritus of Moody Church in Chicago. This book will enlighten you about what's going on in the United States today, and it will challenge you that in spite of those things going on, we can be people of compassion, we can be people who trust the Lord nevertheless. Now, I've purchased these books, and so they're free to you. If you want to give a gift to the church, To help pay for the books, wonderful. But that'll be between you and the Lord. But you're free to take a copy, and I promise you, if you read it, if you read the book, 
you'll have a much greater understanding of what's going on today politically and in every other way. And I think you'll be strengthened spiritually. So you come down and get them. There's 30 copies. If I have to order some more, I'll order some more. Let's take one per family, though. Let's don't take one per person, but one per family. And the family can spread it around and share it, or you can read it together. It's not a difficult book to read, but it is a very, very important book. We will not be silenced. If there are some, I don't know if we're still on the internet, but if there are some watching by the internet and you want to have one, you let us know and we'll send you a copy also. Okay? With that, I'll dismiss you. Pray for me as I shall be praying for you. You are dismissed.